Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I feel like my uh, like my music horizons are going to be expanded with Megan. Is it Megan? Yeah, Megan running the I board. don't listen to country, but Megan is a country gal. See, I don't, I don't either, but this sounds all right. No, we're happy to let Megan throw her personality on here. Who is this, Megan? Old Dominion. Old Dominion. PK, lo- PK loves Old Dominion. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. PK PK has gone from classic rock guy to country guy. Huh. Yeah. See, we'll diversify our uh, listenership, too. We'll catch up with the music because it diversifies the group. Yeah, there you go. There you it's go. good. We want to cast a wide net there. So thank you, Megan. Um, ben, let's get back to uh, a little bit of jazz conversation. We talked about what uh, some options uh, might be that are out there. We'll get into some bowl conversation coming up as well. But do you think they need to do something? Like what's the – what's the – in order – okay, we, we know that the jazz – want to win a title, that they feel their championship window is open. It's the reason they brought everybody back. It's the reason they're paying a hefty luxury tax yeah. bill. And they're the best team in the league right now currently, the, the way that they're playing. And, and maybe people will disagree, but that's, that's my opinion. Where's the need? Do they need to make a big-time move to get to where they want to go? Yeah, and we can set this up. And the reason why this has become a talking point recently, and you maybe have seen it online, the Jazz are kind of – their name has been thrown into not hardcore trade rumors, but the idea that the Jazz are out looking for a wing defender, uh, potentially on the trade market, and have you know been making phone calls. Because tonight, every player in the NBA can essentially be traded again. They kind of lift the trade moratorium from when you signed in the offseason. So everyone is available from now until whatever it is, February 15th or whatever the trade deadline is. So you got a couple of months to do these things. Uh, I guess some of that comes down to, Jake, to answer your question, where are they different from last year, which Quinn Snyder has said they're, he feels like they're a much different team than they were last year. It doesn't feel like they're, quote, running it back. They brought a lot of the same players back, but he feels like they're a different team. How much different are they from last year, and what weren't they able to do last year that they can this season that makes you think they don't need to make a move? And I think that is the question that Justin Zanuck has to be asking internally. Now, I could point to a handful of things that I think have actually been notable improvements this year. I think Mike Conley's better than he was last year for the Jazz because he's in his third season with the team. He's just playing at such an absurdly high level right now where he, you know, he'll turn the ball over, but he doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's not making huge mistakes that are costing you games at all. He's basically playing perfect point guard basketball because that's what guys who play the point guard who have been in the NBA for 15 years start to do. They just get Chris Paul doesn't make mistakes anymore, you know. I think Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, some of these names uh, are guys that don't do that. So Mike's better than he ever has been, uh, and he's playing super well for the Jazz right now. Hassan Whiteside is an enormous upgrade over Derek Favors. Just absurdly high uh, ceiling compared to what Derek Favors was able to offer you. And everyone loves Derek Favors, rightfully so, but his back just was not into it anymore. He couldn't do it physically, and Hassan Whiteside can, and actually is coming off a season where he basically took the year off last year in Sacramento. So he's healthy and playing really well. And then you have added versatility from Rudy Gay, because he can still come out, and he's shooting better than George Niang is this year. He's an incredibly good three-point shooter. Uh, He's prolific. He can shoot five a game and still connect at a pretty high level. He's a much better defensive player than George Niang was. He's not elite, but he's a much better defensive player and he certainly helps you down low, and he gives you the ability to play true small ball lineups because he's big enough and strong enough to play the five and still get rebounds. That's where they're different than last year. I agree, 
with, I agree with all of that. I do think part of Quinn Snyder saying that they're not, quote unquote, running back because he's trying to manage expectations by saying because everybody goes, well, you had the best record in the league yeah. last year. What's your problem this year? Which is an unfair criticism, and I'm sure it bothers him. So I think he does that to manage certain expectations because different teams are going to have different problems. And this team, as you point out, is not exactly the same as last year's right. team. But with that said, I, I agree with everything you laid out right there. So with that in mind, how much does that make them better? Because last year, Ben, I'm of the belief that if things broke their way a little differently, that wouldn't have been an out to the Clippers. I'm not saying they would have gone to the finals, but they would have been in the Western Conference finals. And then, you know, you get that far and who knows? You, you can control your own story for there. They, from there. They were not far off of that. I'm convinced that Mike Conley being 100 percent. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even going to put Donovan Mitchell in there because he played well enough last right, year to right. advance past the second round. He was he was not the reason that they lost. So if they had Mike Conley playing like Mike Conley did at times last year and is this year, I think that's a total difference maker. It's not like they got swept by the Clippers, Ben. They imploded against the Clippers. So I feel like if things were a little bit different and circumstances were a little bit more positive, maybe somebody out there is calling me a homer for this. But honestly, I watched the series. It's not like the Jazz got the, the – they didn't mop the floor with the Jazz. No. And they were The Jazz just came up a little short and the Clippers had a good game plan. So does Rudy Gay's versatility make them uh, more capable of battling that style of play? Yes. Does Hassan Whiteside being a significant up- upgrade over Derek Favors make it so the Jazz aren't going to give up some of those leads that they built last year? Yes. Does Mike Conley being better than when he was last year mm, certainly help them going into the playoffs? 100%. But is that enough? Right. And I would argue that yes, it is enough. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying don't go out and make a move if a move isn't there because you'd be crazy not to upgrade your roster if the if the uh you know, situation came along, but the Jazz certainly should not be desperate. The West got worse. It is funny. So let's talk about the small ball Clippers last year and who it was that really killed them. Like we we point at Terrence Mann, but it was really kind of was it Marcus Morris? Marcus? Yes. Morris. It was really kind of Marcus Morris playing the five that allowed them to go small. Because and he, he was very good. And he was good. Yep. I, I really truly believe that you, you know you, th- this. There's this really terrible narrative in the NBA that you need to get a ball or a stopper, these kind of like power forward, small forward, whatever, these versatile forwards, to go out there and stop LeBron. It's like, guys, no one's ever stopped LeBron. I don't have to t- nobody has ever stopped LeBron James. Nobody has ever stopped Giannis Antetokounmpo. Doesn't matter who you get, you're not going to stop that guy. He scored 50 in game six of the playoffs to win a championship. Like, you're not stopping him. It doesn't matter. You need to stop Marcus Morris. Can Rudy Gay stop Marcus Morris? Probably. So in that sense, yeah, you probably don't need to go get Jeremy Grant. You probably don't need to go get Pascal Siakam. Would it help? Of course it would help. It would be wonderful if you can get those guys. And yeah, you could probably put together a crazy trade package that included Boyan Bogdanovich and Jared Butler if he still has trade value. You know, he might not because no one cares about the preseason. We liked it locally, yeah. but no one really cares about the preseason. If you wanted to go nuts, you could throw Joe Ingles into a trade because he's in the last year of his deal and he makes a lot and he can help another team win. I don't know if that makes you better. But if you felt like, hey, we need to upgrade our top-end talent and we could do that by trading our best players, if you feel like that and you're the Jazz, you can make that type of move. I think you could certainly swing for the fences. But I, I, I'm with you. What the Jazz lost to last year with the Clippers, they've probably already fixed with Rudy Gay. Right. And it's not like the Suns would have done that to the Jazz. They no. weren't going to not play DeAndre Ayton in the 
in, in the conference finals. And Brooke Lopez was still going to play for the Milwaukee Bucks if he ran into them in the finals. And the Jazz were really good against Milwaukee. For the last five years, the Jazz have been really good against Milwaukee and Giannis because Quinn knows how to defend him. And they've been really bad against Phoenix. They got swept last year by the Suns, even though one of the games went to overtime when the two teams were fully healthy. So this idea that you need to worry about, just, just know who you're worrying about. You're worrying, actually, about Marcus Morris. We talk about this small ball lineup. Like You're actually worried about Marcus Morris for four minutes twice in a playoff series. And Rudy Gay is probably enough to fix that. So do you need to overhaul everything to address that guy? Right. I don't, th- I, I don't think so. I don't either. I don't think the desperation factor should be high. If Jeremy Grant falls into your lap, by all means, knock yes. yourself out. But you don't need to go out and all of a sudden get into a bidding war with whomever. Correct. Over somebody's services. Now, if, if Phoenix were to make a big-time move that made them better, good on them. And I guess you react to that going forward. But I, I think the Jazz are in a perfectly good position where they don't need to be desperate. But you have to have a broad view of what you're reacting to. You can't just say, well, Phoenix did this, so we're going to react to what Phoenix did. And that's what the NBA does. We're a knee-jerk reaction right, right. league. Fight that instinct. Don't do that because what else happened? Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Well, if Kawhi Leonard's fully healthy, maybe the Suns don't beat the Clippers. Right. You know, maybe they're not that good. Maybe maybe they don't. I mean, th- th- they ran into the Lakers without Anthony Davis, the Jazz without Mike Conley, and the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Guys, that's a huge difference. Those are three A-plus players. Those are three all-star players last year, and they didn't have to play against any of them in the playoffs to get to the finals. And they were still good against the Bucks. You know, they, they still gave the Bucks a very good run and, and looked like they were going to win a championship when they won the first two games of the series, and they didn't. But I don't think reacting to just what Phoenix did is what the Jazz need to do, nor necessarily just losing to the Clippers mean the Jazz have to go out and overhaul something. Again, if the right piece is there and you can make a trade for them, I think that that should certainly be in the cards. You, you can't take anything off the table right now. But I also don't think that you're in this spot where you're miles behind anybody. And, and the situations that Phoenix ran into that were positive for them, that were lucky for them, you might get some of those same breaks. And the truth is, that's how everyone wins championships. You yeah. do have to catch a couple of breaks every once in a while. That certainly is going to help you win. How did the Bucks get past the Nets? Kyrie Irving got hurt in the first game of that series, right? How did the Warriors win over the Cavs the first time? Kevin Love dislocated his shoulder and Kyrie Irving got hurt. I mean, right. it just happens. Sometimes you've got to beat those teams that are unhealthy to get there. And the Jazz haven't had Boyan Bogdanovich against Denver two years ago in the bubble, and they didn't have Mike Conley last year against the Clippers. Who did Phoenix? I'm, I'm trying to look for it, and I'm mad that I'm not remembering. Who did they beat in the second round last year? They beat the Lakers in the first. You're right. I said the and Jazz. Then they, yeah, yeah. And I said then the, the, Jazz, Clippers the Clippers in the conference finals. Who did they beat? They beat Denver. Denver. Without yeah. Jamal Murray. Right. So there you go. To prove Correct. your point. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, I'm blending all my player teams who they got injured or played against. But, yes, but they beat a decimated a, Western Conference. There was a fluky nature to Phoenix's run. No question about it. Now, they're still good. You can't take away what they did. And look, they backed it up this year. They're still really good this year. I, I apologize for saying they beat the Jazz. Obviously, the Jazz lost to the Clippers. But yes, my, my point remains. They beat a, a Jamal Murray-less Denver Nuggets team. In fact, I think they might have swept them. Uh but but you, you've got to beat those teams. You've got to go out there and, and, and understand what actually happened in the playoffs, what the full narrative was, what the actual consequences right. were of what these injuries and, and how they set up. And then you've got to react to the other things. And I think that's what's hard about being an NBA front office, uh, being a general manager, trying to build a team. You have to react to everything, not just the most obvious right. thing. Like... Should the Jazz uh, have reacted to Denver acquiring Aaron Gordon last year? 
Correct. You could get into that. You could you, believe it. Because there were people out there, some people on this very station, who were saying, well, it's a game changer. Yep. The title's going through Denver, people. And it turned out to be a big time nothing burger. But you know what? Like, let, Let's say Portland decides to blow it up. Portland says we're awful. We can't win this year. We can't get Ben Simmons into trade. We're going to unload a couple of pieces and we think we can do it for cheap. Like, yeah, if you can get Larry Nance for nothing, if you can get Robert Covington for nothing, great. But you don't, I, I don't think right now you change the identity of this team dramatically in a trade that would essentially be sixes. Like, I, I don't think you necessarily have to make a move to adjust to something just to make a move. The Jets certainly are not at that spot right now. Even if you can say, well, you're going into the playoffs with basically the same roster as last year, I think there's going to be the same issues. I, I think you've fixed a lot of the things that were broken last year already with what they did in the offseason, and they're going to get better throughout the year. I think so, too. I think they're in a really good position. And they've won seven in a row. I maintain that you've got a couple of weird whistles that uh, have lost you the two games. But you know what? You needed to lose in New Orleans. You needed a wake-up call because the Jazz were playing a little loose. They were just playing a little bit, not soft, but they just were not totally focused. Nope. The way when they play focused, they can beat teams by 30 points and hold them under 100 points, which the Jazz have done the last couple of games. And now, Jake, you look at, they've got the Clippers coming to town. Clippers are okay, but the Jazz are better than the Clippers. They're way better than the Spurs. We've seen that they're way better than the Wizards. They're better than the Hornets. The Hornets have a bunch of guys in COVID protocol. We know they're better than the Timberwolves. They're better than the Mavericks. Then they play at the Spurs, at Portland, home against Minnesota. And then you get your next huge, huge challenge Saturday, New Year's Day, against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, the Jazz honestly could win eight of their next nine, I think, very easily. And if they're playing at this level, they might not lose. Can't believe I'm going to say this because in my entire career, I don't think this has ever been true. Is the West bad this year? The West is bad. The West, the West is really is bad. Bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Ben, the West hasn't been bad since like 1994. No, it's it's pretty interesting. How do these these general managers that didn't do anything in the off season? I Dallas. mean, or or even Dallas didn't do didn't do anything. Denver yeah. didn't do anything. No, the I things mean Portland did were wrong. Right. You know, Clippers didn't do anything. Clippers didn't do anything. Yeah. What the Lakers did was wrong. crazy. They did wrong. It was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Suns didn't really do anything aside from re-sign their guys, which was probably and they didn't the even re-sign move. all their guys. And they didn't even re-sign all their guys. That's a great point. And so the Jazz make a couple of tweaks along the way while everybody else gets worse. Mm. I mean. But that's the steady. It, that, it's got to be so hard to be Justin Zanuck or any front, front office team when you're really good. To A, we've talked. I mean, it's it's lowering your handicap. I mean, you've talked to me. Like, I'm a terrible golfer. If I were to play all summer, I could honestly go from being double par to three over every hole, two over every hole. You know what I mean? Right. Like, in a, could, in, in a summer. You could become a bogey golfer pretty quick or bogey double bogey. Yeah, guy. yeah right. Yeah. Which I could do. Fine. That's easy to do. And the Jazz have done that. Over the couple of years. You know what I mean? You, you go out and you, you bring back Derek Favors, you trade for Jordan Clarkson, you kind of keep, take these steps. Uh, getting to where you are where you're saying, man, one or two thing breaks in our favor and we're a championship team. How do we improve on that without radically adjusting what your identity is? And that is saying, like, I think Rudy Gay probably still has something in him. Like you, it's these fine little tweaks that you're starting to make around the edges. It's the Milwaukee Bucks trading or or signing PJ Tucker when you know the the Houston Rockets were waving him or whatever they gave up to get right. like a small piece. Bobby Portis, like no one was a huge believer in Bobby Portis before last off season. 
And now all, he went in and he helped him win a championship, and he was good in the finals. It's these little tiny tweaks you got to make. But that's what Hassan Whiteside is. Nobody yep. thought Hassan Whiteside would be good on a really good team. No one knew if Rudy Gay would ever be good on a really good team. He's never been good on a good team. He played for bad Memphis teams, and then bad Toronto teams, and then bad Sacramento teams, and then mediocre Spurs teams. So it's these little fine adjustments that you have to make if you're Justin Zanuck. But they've done it. And through 25 games, I think it's working so far. And you probably just have to trust that for a little bit. I don't think you're certainly in the, in the market to make a move in the next couple of weeks. And they don't have a ton of assets, honestly. No. They're, they're depleted. They, I mean, they'd have to give up a, a key player um, to get something of significance. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they flipped Joe Ingles for something. Because of the reasons you laid out expiring contracts I mean he's got a salary that can make something work I mean if they were able to bring in I don't know a difference maker it would have to be really good bench. Though. Yeah, yeah you'd have to get a really good player back. right because Joe's good I mean Joe's a guy who when he's you know at his best he can start playoff games they don't have a ton of first round draft picks to move as you mentioned they have some second round draft picks they could move but I mean You'd have to go like talent for talent straight across really if you were going to make a move right yeah. like if you were going to get Jeremy Grant Bogdanovich and then some would have to be included, yeah. as you laid out earlier in the show. Yeah, so, they just don't I mean, have young like, talent. It's not one of those things where you can flip a bunch of bad contracts and bring in a player for nothing because the team is looking to get worse. It's where if you had had a couple of more successful draft picks in the last few years, you would have felt better. Now, you traded some of them to get Mike Conley. That was the right move. No one wants Yudoka as a bookie. Nobody. I mean, he's hurt, and then even then he's a third-string center. So nobody wants him. Jared Butler maybe, but you haven't done anything to build up his... His trade or value. Elijah Hughes either or Elijah or, Hughes yeah, same right. thing like and maybe they're good they might be really good and and but right now they probably have more value sticking around in the Jazz system than they would as a trade piece yeah. which is just like a flyer for somebody else that nobody that nobody cares about you're investing a year and a half now into Elijah Hughes to develop you're investing in uh, Jared Butler to maybe be a guy who replaces Joe Ingles next year if he doesn't come back to the NBA those probably end up having more long term value but again it's this. It's this tough spot you find yourself in if you're in the front office of how you build a team and how do you get over the how do you get over the over the hill? You know, I mean, how do you get over that that initial push to get to the championship spot? And and I think that's where uh, Justin Zanuck and probably Quinn Snyder are sitting down a lot and talking about just like how, how do you know what you have? And I think right now what they what they can see is very real and that they're very good and they're probably going to stick with it. So here's some uh, some news, Ben. Some bad news for GM LeBron. Okay. As you brought up earlier that he's uh, been trying to get an online campaign going to make people think that Talon Horton Tucker is good. Yeah. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker has entered health and safety protocols and oh, no. could miss multiple games. Mm. Lakers canceled practice today. Uh, CBS Sports also just tweeted out that the Lakers have reportedly discussed trading Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, of course. They I should mean, yeah. never have traded yeah. for him. But like, for what? Like, are you sending him back Nothing. to Houston for John Wall? Like, is he involved in another John Wall trade? I don't think it's possible. I mean, I guess you could send him somewhere like Toronto if they were just desperate to be as bad as possible. But, but Lakers aren't going to have good draft picks either to send out. Like, right, you know, Lakers right. are – and this is good. This means the salary cap's working, right? Like they put in all their chips. They've, they, they don't have young talent. They've spent all their money, and now it's really hard to get out of spending all that money. That, that's the punishment of being way over the cap. That it's hard to operate that way. It's hard when you've signed all you when you've given seventy five million dollars or more to Anthony Davis and LeBron James to try and find pieces around them that are going to help you win games. And that's that's the value of the uh, the CBA, and that's the value of the salary cap. It's made it hard, so they had to settle for a guy like Russell Westbrook, and he doesn't help you win games. No. And the funny thing is, I there are players out there that in the NBA that have been vocal about 
loving playing with Russell Westbrook. Ennis Cantor being one of them. Yep. Or excuse me, Ennis Cantor Freedom. But of course, Ennis loves playing with Russell Westbrook because Russell gets him, what, three, four dunks a game? And right. it's not like he's right. out there dominating possessions. You know who doesn't like playing with Russell Westbrook? Kevin Durant. Right. LeBron James. James Harden. James Harden. Yeah. No, because his game directly subtracts from theirs. So I don't understand why uh, people in the know, specifically the Lakers, couldn't have seen that coming. Well, actually, I do know why. Because, like we talked about last week, Ben, and not to honk our own horn, but the NBA is this weird one-on-one culture where that's valued. Correct. And Russell Westbrook's a great one-on-one player. Oh, and I'm sure LeBron put pressure on them to go get him. But you're sure? It's yes. the guys you see at the All-Star Game. It's yes. the guys you've seen in the Olympics. It's right. the guys you played with before that you say, like, I, I, I felt it. I mean, it's Anthony Edwards talking about Chris Stapp's Porzingis being incredible being the best rim protector. And look, Chris Stapps had a really good game last night, actually, in the Mavericks' big win. But it's this, I've seen it up close and personal, so it has to translate everywhere. It's like, and I know LeBron watches a ton of basketball. Like, I'm sure he watches Russell Westbrook, but there must just be this kind of lack of a critical eye sometimes when you've been too close to it. You've been so close to it, you kind of don't pull back and see all the issues that could potentially crop up. I'm sure LeBron's like, I've been watching Westbrook bust guys for 10 years. He'll do it here. He'll do it here. It'll be great. Uh, I won't have to play as hard and all this. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute. This doesn't fit with me at all. Yeah. In fact, simply because he is on the floor means I have to play against two guys every time I have the ball. Which was exactly how the Jazz have played him for the past couple of years. Jazz matching up Rudy on him because you don't need to guard the three. In fact, if he's taking the three, that's the best outcome you could possibly have. Let's look up his uh, contract that he's got coming up. I, I mean, Russ is untradeable. Even he's though he's been traded two, twice in the last three years. Two years left? He has... Sorry, let me pull this up. One second. He has... Next season is a player option. Well, he's picking so up he's only that. got one more year. Yeah, he's going to pick up the $47 million that's out to him yeah. next year. Picking up that. He's going to pick up his $50 million. He's making $44 million this year, Russ. That's tough. Should never have traded for no. him ever in no. a million years. No. Buddy Heald, yeah. Easy. And you can move Buddy Heald. If, if you don't it didn't like work him, out, yeah. yeah, you can always. Everybody's looking for Buddy Heald. I can't believe he's still in Sacramento, to be honest. But way to go, Lakers! Can't say anybody around here is brokenhearted for him. I'm sure. No, everyone's happy to see it. Well, got to have good management, Ben. And if you hire somebody who's going to just say yes to LeBron, well, unfortunately, the fall guy's going to be Frank Vogel, who won a title Which two years ago. No They're going to fire the coach. <laughs> Find someone who can make it work. It's exactly what happened to, to Houston with James Harden. I wonder, I wonder, you know, player empowerment is a big thing in the NBA right now, and I get it, and we've all seen it. Yep. I mean, it's, it's happened throughout LeBron's career, really, as he's spearheaded it all. But honestly, do you think the pendulum will ever swing the other way? Like, okay, you players have a lot of value, and you should have a voice in the room, I suppose, but you make terrible decisions. Just terrible. I mean, at what point do you say, you know what, James Harden, we're not going to do that. Right. Because that probably is already a constant fight. I'm sure it's a constant battle, 24-7, if you're a general manager. Because guys come in and say, like, hey, my buddy can play. This guy can play. Yeah. I played with him at the Olympic trials. He's really good. Or I played with him in AAU. He's really good. I think he can do these things. I'm sure it's a constant battle. Well, the, the problem is, this is the argument for why you don't give players any sort of voice. Because what happens when their ideas are bad? Right. What happens when they say, you know, you got to come in, you've got to draft Shabazz Napier. You have got right. to do this. And you're right. like, you're like, wait, what? No, 
No, that's terrible. What happens when you tell them, you know what, LeBron, that's a dumb idea? How do they react to that? Right. Right. Well, How does and, that go? And then if you bring in their guy and the guy plays poorly, they blame the team for not seeing for the not buddy working them up. out. Yes. I, I imagine it was so much easier back in the day when you could be like, you know what? You you worry about getting your game to where it needs to go. I'll worry about the roster. It's probably a more effective way of running a franchise. So does it go back that way ever? I wonder. I don't think so. That cat's out of the bag. I guess unless you get a, a player that just doesn't care. I mean, that's like, hey, you do your job, I'm going to do mine. But it doesn't seem like that's the direction we're going. No. But LeBron has made terrible move after terrible move and is still making moves. But you know what? You also want Mike Conley to call Rudy Gay and recruit him. Great point. But so, also Mike Conley recruited Ed Davis. And uh, and who was that other? Oh, geez. He plays Jeff for Green? Brooklyn. Jeff Green. Yeah. Doesn't always work out. No. And when you cut Jeff Green, how does that make Mike Conley feel? I don't know. This is just the example that we're, we're bringing up. I have no clue. But when you put Ed Davis on the shelf for Tony Bradley, how does that go? Tough conversation. Honestly, uh, Donovan Mitchell's guy's uh, Eric Paschal, who's gone to out of the rotation since Rudy Gay came into the line. How does that, you know, imagine Donovan handles it well, like I mean, a pro. Maybe the best but... example is all the Illinois guys that Utah brought in when Darren Williams was here. Yeah, D. Brown. D. Brown. I mean, they had other guys that were coming into camp that, that were, you know, weren't NBA yeah. players, but you knew you were just trying to keep them happy. No. All right. Uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's been hanging out with us throughout the show. He's our friend, Dr. Johnson from Premier Wave Medical. What's going on, doctor? Hey, Jake. How you doing, my friend? Great, buddy. Uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, helping our listeners. And, and we've talked about this today, though. This is a big part of life. This is a big part of happiness, and you're helping a lot of people. Yeah, you know, it's so important uh, for relationships that, you know, you can have intimacy. And and it's a big part of life, and a lot of people suffer from from not being able to have an intimate relationship with their partner. Um, more than 50% of men over 50 suffer from this, and I get this question a lot, like, you know, why should I choose WASP, or why should I choose Premier Wave Medical versus some other people? And that's a good question. So my response to them is that you want to go to the place that has, like, the best treatments, you know, that has, like, proven treatments with uh, great staff, and that's what we have. We have the only FDA-approved laser that was specifically designed for ED. It's twice as effective as any other treatment and the reason is that it penetrates farther. And then we have a great staff. They're well-trained. And then we have great financing options. You know, you can get 0% financing through us, which is like free money. So you don't have to wait till after Christmas to get this taken care of. You can do it now. You want to celebrate Christmas, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Celebrate it the right way. And that, I think that's a big deal. You know, get it taken care of now because it needs to get taken care of. Uh, but uh, we know a lot of people are financially burdened out there this time of year. Yep, yep. And so we have 0% financing for 24 months. That's like 100 bucks a month is all to get this taken care of. And we have some great specials going on. So for the rest of the year, we're actually giving $1,000 off a couple's package because we treat both men and women. Women have issues on their side, and we have treatments for them. So you can get $1,000 off for the rest of the year if you get a couple's package. And like I said, we have the 0% financing. So there's no reason not to come in and get it taken care of. All right, here's the phone number, 385-360-WAVE, that's 385-360-9283, or go online, premierwave.com, that's premierwave.com. Dr. Johnson, thank you very much. Yeah, you have a nice afternoon, I'll talk to you in a little bit. We'll talk to you in a bit.
Appreciate it. Uh, 385-360-WAVE, 385-360-9283. Randy Ray joins us next on Jacob Ben 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jacob Ben 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get out of the Smart Rain special guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net and learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or simply call 877-346-3333. Ben... Our next guest, of course, his appearance each and every week on the show is brought to you by our friends at LHM Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Riverdale. Live here, work here, cheer for the Wildcats here, buy here. Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Riverdale or online LHMRiverdale.com. He is the head coach of the Weber State Wildcats, our friend Randy Ray with us on Jake and Ben. Hi, Coach. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? We are great. And uh, you are coming off uh, a performance against Maine, Fort Kent, the Mighty Bengals, where uh, not only did you win 82-36, to 36, but you held them to eight points in the first half, Coach. I don't think I've ever seen that in all my years reading <laughs> box scores for college basketball. Well, that uh, yeah, that was uh, Maine, Fort Kent, and uh, <laughs> it was one of those games. You know, they're obviously not at, uh, not at a very high level, but... You know, we scheduled that game. We we needed we've had such a good schedule, a tough schedule leading up. We needed a game where we could get everybody in the game and play a bunch of guys because we got a bunch of guys that really work hard in practice and uh, have not gotten a lot of playing time. And we needed to get them on the court because eventually we're going to need everybody. And uh, so it was good to get a lot of guys playing time and look at some different things. And that's kind of why why we had that game on the schedule. Yeah, and maybe you answered my question there, but I, I want to ask this because there was a women's basketball score in the last couple of days where Georgia Southern beat Carver College 133-15. to 15. Like, it's just an, it, you know, it's an incredible score discrepancy there. What What's your responsibility, I guess, as a coach in that game where you're trying to make sure you're still getting the most out of your team, but also you understand it's not really a competitive contest? Yeah, yeah, we knew that going in, but... You know, I kept. I, I just preached to the guys that hey, we're gonna. It doesn't matter who we're playing, and obviously this team isn't at a very high level. But we're gonna play the way we play. You know, you get into those games like that, and you can start getting doing things that you know you don't do, going one on one and gambling and playing undisciplined and getting wild and crazy. And I just kept preaching, hey, I don't care what the score is, I don't care what the opponent is. We're gonna play how we play. We're gonna guard hard. We're going to rebound hard. We're going to move the ball, share the ball, and just play the right way. And, and you know what? Our guys did that. And, and it, it's tough because, you know, when the opponent's like that, you can pretty much just go make a play whenever you want. And, um, but our guys didn't do that. They, they, and even uh, the guys that came uh, that, that hadn't been playing much did a really good job just kind of maintaining how we play the game and stay with it. So, huge game this week. Coming up tomorrow, game you'll hear right here on the Zone Sports Network, by the way. Weber State uh, taking on Utah State. And, of course, you've been at Weber for a long time now. But before that, uh, you spent some time at Utah. But before that, of course, you were very instrumental with Coach Morrill on, uh, in building that program there in Logan at Utah State. So, I guess, what's, what's your relationship like with the Aggies? When you face them on the floor, how do you feel about that game? Well, I want to win. Um, but you know I've always I got great uh, memories and that was a great time I spent it in Logan at Utah State made some really good friends you know we had a lot of success it's a great community it's a great school great basketball program great fans so 
I cheer for them to win every time they play, except when we play them. Um, so, but I do. I have a lot of respect for them up there, and the way the program is, and and everything they've accomplished up there. So, I got nothing but uh, respect for that for that program. It's been a while, but I still have that same feeling, and I still know a lot of people in the community. And every once in a while, I get up there in the summer and go golf and see some people, and it's really fun. And my wife and I and our family have great memories up there. And so, but hey, tomorrow night I'd prefer to beat them if we can. <laughs> Yeah, Utah State Wednesday. You've got BYU coming up on Saturday. What What do these in-state games mean for your program? You know, recruiting, just big picture. What it means for the footprint of the of your school? Uh, they're big. You know, they're really fun, and they're fun for the fans too. You know, and it's fun for our players. And uh, any in-state game you play has got a little more juice to it, a little more energy to it. You know, and and everybody wants to play well, and everybody wants to beat the other one, and. And so it just adds another sense of, uh, you know, more emotion, more energy, more urgency to the game. And they're usually pretty high-intensity games. Everybody's fighting hard, playing hard. And, and it's just a lot of fun, you know. And these are the kind of games that make your teams better. Uh, because when you get into conference play, it's, it feels like conference. You know, you got to play at a higher level to have a chance to, to be in the game and have a chance to win. And and uh, so they're great, and I, and I hope the fans take advantage of it and come out and watch, you know, watch us play tomorrow night and watch both teams play, and it's a fun atmosphere. You think uh, Kobe McEwen will have uh, a, a little extra bounce in his step tomorrow night going up against his old team? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's there. Yeah, Kobe's, Kobe's competitive against anybody. Uh, he's just, that's his nature, man. He plays hard and he competes every minute he's on the court. But, yeah, I think he'll have a little extra juice, you know. Who wouldn't, right? right. I mean, it's natural. And uh, so hopefully he can come out. And he's going to play hard. I know that much. He does it every day in practice, every game. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can come out there and play well. I'm curious about this. Uh, and we can look at your last box score and you shot – what two of twenty-two from the three-point line, and you didn't necessarily need it in this last game to get the win. But you guys have been shooting yeah. the heck out of the ball this year. You're thirty-nine percent as a team, and that must have been well over forty going into this last game. When when you become so good at shooting, how do you not become reliant on shooting? Because it kind of can be the ultimate bailout, right? Yeah, no, it can be. You can get to the point where that's what you teams can fall into that. Where hey, we're going to fall in love with the three and. We, we don't allow that, our guys. We're, we're a good, solid three-point shooting team. It's not our strength. Um, but we, get, we, we, we're, we rely offensively on ball movement, side to side, get the defense moving, and then throw it to the open guy and then make plays for our teammates. And a lot of that is attacking the paint, you know, trying to get uh, the ball into the paint, whether it's a post-touch or penetration, and then play from there and pitch out. But we got to get the ball moving first. And, and uh, we, we, you know, we get to the free throw line a lot. Uh, I like that about our team. We get to the paint quite a bit. And, uh, and then we just look to share the ball. And our, our motto is, hey, the go-to guy is the open guy. And, uh, and we're just going to try to move the ball and throw it to the open, open player and trust each other. And, and we've been doing a good job of that so far. And that's kind of how we play. But, you know, obviously we're going to take advantage of the three ball when it's, when it's available. We're going to shoot it. Uh, but we don't just rely on it. We try to stay pretty balanced team. You know, try to score in the post, score off pick and roll, score off penetration into the paint, and then uh, mix in some threes as well. 
Uh, apologies for going back to your time at uh, at Utah State, Coach. But I find uh, you know the coaches are a lot like rock groups in a weird way, where they have influences, right? You know, uh, if you ask uh, Led Zeppelin who their influences are, they'll r- rattle off you know five, six different singers and guitar players and all those things yeah. that made the, the yeah. group, right? Uh, coaches are similar uh, with where they come up and and who they coached under and those sorts of things. And I'm curious, what did you take from Coach Morrill? What did, what did you learn from Coach Morrill that you put into practice still to this day? Everything, everything I do as a as a head coach is from Coach Morrill and my time with him. I was with him for 13 years, and and it, just starting on how do you want to build your program? How do you want to? Uh, what's the culture of your program going to be? Uh, how you go about recruiting? Uh, making sure you you get the players that fit you. You don't have to have the best players. You have to have the right players, and then building a culture that can stand the test of time. Uh, and then uh, from an X and O standpoint, the same thing: how we how we play defense, how we you know run our offense, and so forth. Uh, it's been a, pretty much everything you know I've done as a head coach has come from him, and and it's a pretty good one to come from because you know Stu is fantastic, tremendous coach, tremendous person. And, and not just that, but but how you want to treat people, you know, and and how you want to, uh, you know, involve the community and administration and everything. So yeah, I, I'd just say everything uh, that I tried to do here at Weber State has been influenced by definitely by by Coach Morrill, and and uh, he's still we're still close to this day. And if I need something or I'm struggling or I need whatever it is, uh, I go to him for advice and. Uh, it's pretty much the same advice because I know what he's going to say, but every once in a while I just need to hear something from him. You know what? Like yourself, Coach Ray, he's sneaky funny too. I don't think I don't know if people <laughs> know that about Coach Morrill, but he's like a sneaky funny dude. He's a funny dude. That's what a lot of people don't know about yep. him. I'm telling you, his sense of humor is sharp and it's clever. He's really well. One thing about it, well, the difference between me and Coach Morrill is he's really a lot more intelligent than I am. <laughs> And so his humor is smarter humor. I'm I'm a I'm not a very smart guy, so mine's probably not as sophisticated, right? Uh, but no, he he is. And when he used to go out and speak to do different groups, and I'd go with him or something, he prepares now. If he has to speak, he's he's preparing for it the night before, the day of. He's writing his notes. I'm more off the cuff, you know. I'm not very smart, so I just got to kind of go with the flow. But God, he could get him rolling. Some of the stuff he would say is absolutely hilarious. Well, Coach Ray, thank you very much for coming on with us, as always. Good luck this week. It should be a lot of fun. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Yeah. That's our friend, Coach Ray. Uh, a big one. Utah State, BYU this week. And then Fresno State. I mean, he was talking. Right. You, you get Kent or whoever this team was they just played. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fine. You know, because you, you have such a crazy schedule you've got playing so far this season. Remember they went on that long East Coast road trip, which is probably pretty unusual for Weber State. Uh, but then you get a couple of major, you know, D1, D1 programs that you're playing over the next week. It's going to be tough. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Jake and Ben coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Hence. And Scotty G are coming up next, so stay tuned for those two characters. Todd McShay has released his first mock draft for the 2022 NFL Draft. And Devin Lloyd going number one? Devin Lloyd coming in at number 14. That'd be great for on him. The board. Yep. It's a lot of dough. Coming back for, uh, for another year really paid off for him. I know that's a big risk for players, and I understand why some players don't want to do it, but I don't know if he's the 14th pick last year. I mean, no, certainly a, not. No, he's not a first-round pick. 
I mean, I'm he had a great eight. COVID year, but I don't know. I don't know if he's that high. He wasn't a first round. I mean, he wasn't a first round pick by a lot of people until like game six or seven of this year. You know, and even then, some people I think were pretty slow to come along. So he's a. Uh, he certainly got himself into a very good spot. Last year, uh, looks like the signing bonus, which again, we know is kind of the guaranteed money you get when you're in the NFL. The 14th pick, it doesn't quite have it on this article, but it has the 15th pick, which is Mac Jones. Said so he got about $9 million guaranteed on uh, signing day uh, and then ended up making about, or will make about $16 million as long as he's still on the, the uh, rosters over the next four years. So. So it's a lot of cash. You know, bird in the hand is more than a ball on a carpet, Ben. But another uh, another important part of this is the higher you get taken, the more latitude you get. Correct. So you can not that Devin Lloyd will will take a a while to get his feet under him. But if you are a bad third round pick, they get get cut the first year. Yes, like it it that stuff matters. Yeah, and you get time to develop as an NFL player, as opposed to you know. Speaking of hands, coming up next, talk about what a grinder it is for an undrafted free agent to not only make a roster but stay on a roster because they're not invested in you. You're they're invested in a first round pick. They're not invested in an undrafted free agent, so they're going to keep the first-round pick every time. And maybe, you know, Devin Lloyd was always going to make it, but I'll tell you what, if you're a third or fourth-round pick, it's better to be that than an undrafted free agent. Here's a perfect example of it. Do you remember Eli Apple? Eli Apple yes. got drafted by, I think, the Giants in the first round. Maybe it was the Saints. I think it was the Giants in the first round. Uh, he's like He's been on, like, five teams now. Since he, and this, he was drafted four years ago. You know, it was not that long ago. Google him, and when you scroll down... Just kind of his Google page, the results, it'll say, former first-round pick, Eli Apple, hopes yeah. to find a home in Cincinnati. Like, being a former first-round pick carries so much weight, and it would be silly to think that it doesn't also carry weight, uh, even in NFL front offices. You know, because at one point you were elite. One point you had all the tools, and they thought they could make something out of you. So, yes, if he goes in the first round, it looks like Devin Lloyd will. Uh, he's going to be in a good spot. Also, good news: Nate Orchard back in the NFL. Got signed oh, that by is, the uh, Washington Football that team. That is great off news. Off the Packers practice. Yeah, quarter. he's one of the good ones. Hey, real quick, a uh, a cool story that's out there. I think one of the most underrated stories uh, in in sports right now that is so cool is J.R. Smith going back to college to play golf. To play golf, yeah. which is amazing because he's a, I mean he's a really good golfer. Uh, but how about this? His first semester back in college, and he's probably what. 35, 36, yeah. going back to college at that age? I mean, I, I don't know about you, Ben, but I would certainly struggle from a scholastic standpoint. Yep. He got a 4-0. Oh, really? His first semester him. back at college playing golf, J.R. Smith got a 4-0. Awesome story. Yeah. No, very fun. Awesome story. I think that's so cool. Especially for a guy who was had some problems when he got into the NBA. You know, was very questionable when he got into the league. Oh, he was a, a loose cannon. Yeah. Certainly somebody who... Uh, who matured a lot. over his career yep. a lot and contributed to a championship team. And uh, I, th- I always thought that was so cool. He's like, hey, I'd love to play college golf. Let me go back and do it. Do all the school that comes with it and succeed. I think it's a, a terrific story for him. All right, Ben, let's uh, jump out to the zone phone. He's been hanging out with us all show long. He is our friend, Dr. Justin Johnson from Premier Wave Medical. What's up, doctor? Let's, uh, let's close strong, shall we? Yes, let's end this thing on a strong note. Let's do it. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I love the message you're getting out there because you're uh, you're helping a lot of listeners and you're really taking care of specifically zone listeners today. Yeah, you know, what we found is we find that there's, you know, a few barriers for people. One, it's kind of a sensitive topic to talk about. So a lot of men, especially men, do not talk about erectile dysfunction because it's not like you hang out with your friends and say, hey, guess what, IBD, what should I do about it? <laughs> Two... 
you know, most people don't realize there's great treatments out there. In fact, we have the best treatment available. It's non-surgical. It's been clinically validated, and it's FDA-approved. So we're the only laser clinic in Utah that has this FDA-approved machine that was specifically designed for ED. And then sometimes cost is a barrier for people, but we have great financing options, 0% financing, in fact, for up to 24 months. So it doesn't cost you anything, and you can get the treatments you need because, you know, you're Christmas is a time of giving. You're giving to everyone else. Why don't you give yourself a gift and get this taken care of? It's so prevalent. More than 50% of men over 50 suffer from it. In fact, more than 35% of men over 30 suffer from it. So it's, you know, very prevalent, but we have the treatments for you. Uh, All right. Get the ball rolling. Here's the number to call. Uh, It is... 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. You can also go online, premierwave.com. That's premierwave.com. Dr. Johnson, we appreciate you being part of the show today. Thank you. Yeah, you guys have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Back at you, brother. We appreciate it. Uh, That's our friend, Dr. Johnson from Premier Wave Medical, 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. Or simply go online, premierwave.com. Then tomorrow we're going to be talking about a game day for the Jazz, which feels yeah. kind of weird. They've had a few days off. And now a long street, uh, stretch of home games. How are your fingers? The carpal tunnel uh, easing up at all? Or I guess you, you did stiff. write yesterday. I wrote so. a lot yesterday. So uh, now I'll be good. I'll take the day off a little bit. Honestly, you do write a lot. You type a lot. Do you find your fingers like crippled? I don't say I think it's my back more than anything. You're just like kind of sitting in a weird writing position because I write like an idiot. Let's get you a new chair. Yeah. What do you mean you write like an idiot? Like well, one, well, like well, one leg all, up write. on the table? <laughs> I think I hunch. I think I don't uh, pay attention to my posture at all when I'm riding. You're hunched. You're like, ugh. Need you wear sit. those silly uh, uh, blue light glasses? No. My wife wears those. Does she? Oh, well, she yeah. spends more time on a computer than I do. She spends her whole day on the computer. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It seems like I've seen more of those popping up. Is that a thing? That feels like something that somebody invented to sell you something. Correct. You know what you can get me for Christmas? <laughs> blue light glasses? Is that what they're called? Yeah, I think you're right. All right. That just feels like something, you, you know. You know, of course, you're you're not going to be thrilled about sitting in front of a computer all day because you're working. So that feels to me like a glasses company was like, no, no, no. It's actually the blue light from your computer. It's melting your brain. You need to buy these glasses. And they call they cost a hundred dollars. What a surprise. I don't know. It's probably a thing. I'll get an email. I'll get an email now, Ben, that'll say, hey, you reckless jerk. Blue light. My local business. Blue light is melting brains across the country. Good job today, Megan. I want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. The fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended through December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of contacts or glasses, get LASIK now. Save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. And while you're down there, ask them if blue light issues are really a thing. Maybe that's why you need LASIK. Or uh, Or it's just a racket. What are you doing, Ben? Put your headphones back on. You've got water to tread. We are. Why? Did you get a text from somebody? Yes, Megan's been telling us for 10 minutes, Lloyd, too, that we've got to tread water. Well, yeah. Put your headphones on. (laughs) The show's not over. Come on, Ben. They're back in the bag. Be a team guy. The Jake and Ben show is going to buy more than 15 seconds, darn it. We're going to help people out. Which, uh... Which bowl game are you more excited for this weekend? Utah State? Oregon State? What wants the Mayo Bowl? Is that one this weekend? The Mayonnaise well, Bowl? Well, BYU and Utah State both play Saturday. I know. I'm kidding. Making a joke there, Ben. Uh, oh, no. Utah State for sure. 
I mean, I, I think BYU is a better team than Utah State. We saw that probably prove out on the field or whatever. But uh, BYU is playing Alabama-Birmingham what across can, the country. What could BYU show? I mean, is there anything? Not really. I guess Jaron Hall, well, I was almost kind of mean about that, but Jaron Hall wants to put on a show because he may declare for the draft. Yeah. We can see him go out and ball out. I think he's absolutely exceeded expectations by leaps and bounds. Uh, and that sounds kind of like an insult, like I didn't – expect anything from him but for the team to not miss a beat after missing the second or after losing the second pick in the draft awesome Uh, pretty great for him looking at we we talked about you know what Tavion Thomas can do coming up in the Rose Bowl and how much you know that that as far as anybody on Utah football if they were thinking about declaring for the draft and you know Cole Fotheringham has uh Britton Covey is going to as well or or has as well and and TJ Pledger will Tavion Thomas probably has much to gain as anybody but I think you'd probably say the same thing about uh, Tyler Algier as well. If he goes out now, he's going to have a big game and should. But honestly, if he can go out and get 200 yards and score four touchdowns, which we know he's certainly capable of, that could certainly help him as well because uh, that's kind of been the discussion about whether or not he's going to return to BYU next year or not. A big game for him would probably be certainly very helpful. Speaking of Tyler Algier, he was named Sporting News second team All-American today. Yeah, incredible. What a season. What a season for that guy. No, these two years of BYU have been the best since the 90s. I don't think it's particularly close. You know, I think... Ooh, really? Broncos' run of 4-10 win seasons is pretty good. They were good. They were good. I just think of where you are in independence with everything that's gone on in the Big 12. I mean, I think big picture everything. Zach Wilson going number two overall. I think these last two years, especially because it's felt like for so long, at least for the last decade, they've been trying to keep up with Utah and keep up with the Joneses of the Pac-12, showing that you've had that success and you've got the young coach that's going to do it and you've got the recruiter now in Kalani that can do it. I think this is as exciting as anything they did. Broncos, Bronco never felt that exciting. I never felt like those teams were that exciting. This program feels more exciting, like it has more momentum than it has in 30 years to me. Man, I I, I see the argument you're making. I just don't know if I agree with it. Uh, BYU in 06 was really good. Yeah, and that started that run. And by the time, you know, again, if if BYU would have found a way to beat Utah in '08, I mean, that was a pretty special BYU team. Yeah, and they were good the next year too when they beat Oklahoma. So this is not as long as that run—two years as opposed to four. But this is the fun part. I mean, this is the build-up, right? This is what you're excited about. We can look back on that and say, well, okay, they beat Oklahoma. Didn't they lose the next week? Did they lose the next I mean, they week? lost within a couple of weeks. They did not. I don't feel yeah, like they had this incredibly see. long run. Or did they lose the week before they beat Oklahoma? No, I think Oklahoma was the first week of the season. You're probably right, but because they were the number three team. So BYU lost relatively quickly after winning that Oklahoma game, and it kind of undid everything, all the momentum that it felt like they had. Uh, they beat Tulane the next game, uh, 54-3. to and then they lost to Florida State and got trounced. Yes, they did. I remember that. They got uh, trounced. 54-28. to 28. At Lavelle Edwards. Yeah. At Christian Ponder was yes. the quarterback for that Florida State team. Um, and then the only other game they lost that year was to TCU, where they got beat 38-7. to 7. So we can go back in, in retrospect and look at kind of, you know, what... what what those were and what they actually meant and, you know, what the excitement that came along with them. Being a part of this right now as it's happening, as it's going for BYU... Is the most exciting part. Like it's it's just you don't know what the end of this is going to look like for BYU. And right now, why? I mean, well, what? Why is there a limit on anything yeah. BYU is doing? I mean, if Utah can go to the Rose Bowl and BYU is getting to the Big Twelve, like you can go to the Cotton Bowl. 
You can go to some of these major New Year's Six Bowl games. Hey, you, you have a chance to get to the playoff now if you continue to play at this level. And look, all you have to do, it might be easier for BYU once they get into the Big 12. Some of their schedules might get easier. Now, playing Power 5 teams week in and week out is way more difficult than I think BYU fans have given Utah credit for. And understandably, BYU fans don't want to give Utah credit for. But when you have to play those teams every single week, and you've done that for four years, that gets really hard. I think that adds up. Now, it makes you better because you're working and playing against these tough teams. But it's also difficult, and I think you need to acknowledge that if you're a BYU fan. And and be ready for it, because when you get into the Big 12, you're going to run into some of those games as well, where you just don't show up. You have your Oregon State game, and you just don't show up for whatever reason, because every team can come out and play tough because you're just playing a higher caliber of team. But, I mean, when you're looking at where BYU is right now, and as well as they played this season and last season, and you get into the Big 12, and Texas and Oklahoma aren't going to be there... And, you know, your toughest game one season might be beating Iowa State. Like, you're in a great opportunity to go to a college football playoff in the next decade. I told you, BYU's going to win a New Year's Six Bowl game, or at least be in a New Year's Six Bowl game in the next 10 years. I don't think there's any question about that for me. So knowing that that's, I feel like, on the horizon, and I think BYU fans, certainly the faithful BYU fans that believe that BYU doesn't do anything wrong, I think they feel that way as well. And I think that's why it's got to be so exciting right now. That said, Utah State is in the better bowl game with a better matchup. Correct. No question about it. No, like, no doubt about it. I think this is a, an excellent test for the Aggies, who've had a, um, well, this is overused, I guess, but a magical year. I mean, winning yeah. the games that they won the way that they won them, this is a perfect test for this Aggies team. Start to finish, Utah State had the most impressive year. Not the best year, but certainly least expected. From the least opening gate yes. to where they are yes. now, they had the least expected year of any of our local teams. Now, Utah, after three weeks of the season, certainly had a more improbable turnaround, I think, than Utah State did once we realized Utah State could actually play and had some guys. Uh, what Utah's done over the last nine weeks of the season has been the most impressive. BYU continuing to do it without Zach Wilson is also very good. I think that's hugely impressive. Yeah. BYU, well, all three teams really exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect Utah to win the league. Like you said, certainly after the non-conference. Not after, I, I, yeah. you know, they, they talked about it during spring football. And I'll be honest, talk I, I in, never bought it. In fall camp that, hey, this might be the team, this team can do it. Yep. And everyone was talking about what a huge addition Charlie Brewer was going to be. And, and basically every national outlet said that that was the single best quarterback addition to a Power right. 5 conference. I mean, because he had thrown the ball all over and had whatever 4,000 yards in, in his history passing the ball. And that that was finally going to be the difference for Utah. And when that fell, I mean... <laughs> There was something weird about going into a lightning delay 20 minutes into the season against Weber State after you gave up a kick return for a touchdown on the opening play, essentially, and thought, like, maybe this season is going to be a little more difficult than you thought. Like, it was a little bit of a bad omen to start the year. So to turn it around so quickly with the number of issues that were facing the Utes, when you're talking about the offensive line and you're talking about the quarterback and you're talking about the wide receiver talent wasn't showing up and you didn't know who your running back was going to be, like all the issues that Utah generally doesn't have, they had the beginning of the year to now be in a spot where I think they're, I, I, I think they have all the momentum going into the Rose Bowl is a great spot. It's funny, all those, uh, all those people that predicted Utah was going to win the league were right. For the wrong reasons. Not, not yet. Yeah, they were not right why they thought they were. <laughs> they be were right. not right for their the reasoning that they thought. They were right because Utah turned out to be Utah, a team that's going to run the crap out of the ball sure. and play good defense. Right. All right. Stay tuned, Hanson. Scotty, you're coming up next. 97.5 and twelve eighty the zone.